0: Well, it's good to finally be at a one association meeting. My family, two years ago, my family left just weeks before the first one. The second one I had to watch through pictures on Facebook. But this third one, I am so blessed to have my entire family here with the entire congregations. Indonesia is not that far. Amen. Amen. That's it. R three. <laughs> the theme for this year has been restoring a desolate uh, hope or promise or inheritance. And I'm going to talk about restoring that inheritance when the inheritance all along was supposed to be the nations. What was promised to Israel had borders, but what's been promised to Christ has no borders. It's the nations. And if we're talking in this, uh, this season in this time of restoring a desolate inheritance, that means the first church was receiving its inheritance. It was going out and it was conquering the nations. It was laying ground. It was laying foundation where no foundation had ever been laid before. Our, our pastors and a team has gone through Turkey and they have gone through and seen churches and there is nothing left but a dead foundation. Right. Those churches we read about, they're not there anymore. Paul had went and laid a foundation. And now that was the inheritance of that church. Now the Lord is calling us to regain the inheritance Amen. of the nations. God. And I want to go through that. I'm talking about restoring the foundation of the church. Amen. Because the church I'm be honest with you right now, the church is losing ground on every continent. Go to the Joshua Project. On every continent, the church is losing ground. It's, use, it's losing its youth. It's losing its marriages. Because it's lost its foundation. But God is doing something now. He's restoring a foundation. Go, go with me. We'll just get right in the Word. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 10. Because when I look at the church receiving its inheritance, which is the nations, I think of Paul. Look, I know, I know my brothers in Jerusalem, they were doing a great work. But there was brothers that were being sent out to nations that had never heard. They were even cut off from Judaism. They, you, they when Paul began to preach sometimes, he didn't know where to start with the gospel because he had to go so far back. He had to start with, hey, you ever heard of a man named Adam? So let's read this. Paul is writing to Corinthians and we're going to spend some time in Corinthians because Corinth was a place that they had claimed as an inheritance for the church. This was ground of church one. and. We're, Right now, I believe there's a restoration process that's happening. You are seeing it. Though the numbers right now are showing we're losing ground, there's a generation that there's, first of all, the Lord's restoring the foundation of the church. Once that foundation is restored, we're going to see it go out and reclaim its inheritance. Okay? So Paul says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. You see, you can't build and grow unless you lay a foundation. What happens if you lay a building where there's no foundation? We see that in Luke. He says, that's people doing what I didn't tell. That's them not listening. That's them hearing the word, but not doing it is building a building with no foundation. He said, but I'll show you what it's like for a man who hears and obeys. It's like a man who dug deep. See, I used to think that one of them built their house down in the sand and one built it up on the rock. No, they both built in the same place. One spent the time to dig a foundation. It says he dug deep until he got to the rock bed and he laid a foundation because there's no because if you put up a building with no foundation, it's coming down. We have watched years of the church build, build, build only to see it collapse, fall, and lose ground. Look, the, the gospel has gone out in every people group and has had success except for one. To this date, there has been no major ground kept in an Islamic country. What's the church look like in Turkey right now?
1: It's decimated.
0: There's nothing. There's churches in Indonesia, I go to them, I don't see a church. I see a building and people called Christians, but I don't see a church. I don't see the people of God is decimate, is desolated, is gone because they're, they're build, they build, they built everything. The missionaries or whatever you want to call them went in there and they laid the wrong foundation to the point where we thought we could go and build on it. And as a master builder, that word there is architecton, which we get our word architect. The architect looks at the foundation and says, "Mm, I don't think we can build on this. I spent one year to find out I can't build on anything out there. I got to relay a foundation. We got to relay a foundation. And I'm going to tell you what that foundation looks like. In fact, it's in front of all of our faces and has been there for years. I'm just going to bring just a little more clarity to that foundation. You think we have something special in the One Association churches? We do. do. I believe what God is doing in the One Associations is going to transform, not impact, transform the Muslim world. Amen. The church has thrown everything it has at it and nothing is stuck. But God is doing something right now. That's going to give us our inheritance. See, it thinks it's gotten the land and it's not going to give it up. But you know what? I, I'm in Indonesia is a, a Muslim church, a uh, Muslim country. And I see, I see the inheritance of the church right there. Amen. And it's just waiting for laborers to go out in the field yeah. and claim it. Amen. But we got to start on a different foundation than what's been laid for, for years. So Paul laid a foundation where there was none. As an expert builder, he knew what he was doing. So we're called to lay a foundation. He was a visionary. He laid a foundation and he realized that men were going to come behind him and build on it. Where's our group? That's going to Turkey. Where are you at? They will lay a foundation that other men will come along to build on. That's right. You know, when we were talking, there's this, there's this short term, there's this midterm. Are you long term? Are you life term? What are you? I don't know how long it takes me to lay this foundation. That's how long, if it takes generations, then that's how long it's going to be there.
1: Amen.
0: Victory for me is that when I lay something that another man can come and build on yeah, it. Come on. Okay. If I don't lay it correctly, if you don't lay the foundation correctly. Right now, Mark has got a foundation. That house that was on it was burnt. And so when they do, they come and look at it and say, yeah, no, this foundation is good. We can build on it. It needs to be a little bit of uh, reassuring. They put a beam in. They're re- that foundation is good. They can build on it. But I'm here to tell you what's out there. That foundation we cannot build on. I spent an entire year going to churches to see which ones I could work with, to come to the conclusion. This is why Buddy's way ahead. Buddy, just stay out of the churches. You can't build on it. As soon as you begin to preach discipleship, all they want you to do is to preach behind the pulpit, bring in more people. They're not interested in discipleship. Time is going to tell what you laid. I've gone out for one entire year. If I heard, Hey, there was a group of Christians. The group of Christians make up less than 1% in Indonesia. Spirit field is less than 0.3%. So when I hear that there's a group of Christians, me and Giri, which is my partner, we get in the van, we drive sometimes 12 hours. We get there, we sit down with them who came here. How long ago was it? How did you get the gospel? How many years has it been since they left? And what do you look like now? What did you look like 50 years ago when they got here? How many converts? Wow, that's a lot. How many you've had in 10 years? None. What has happened? What did these people come in and lay down that you can't build on? How is it you don't have a convert in 20 years? What's going on? And for for a year, I was like, Lord, what are you trying to show us? What's going on here? Is is this? I mean, come on. I believe the gospel. I believe the church is the most powerful thing in the earth. And all I'm seeing is just ruins. The Lord says it's because the foundation is wrong. These men came and laid something that can't be built on. It can't be maintained. It can't continue. You're going to have to relay foundation. I want to share something. We keep talking about discipleship. Me and Buddy stayed up last night very late talking about discipleship. It's a common term, but I'm going to redefine some things this morning. I'm the least, I feel like the least amongst all my brothers here. We've got pastors in the room, some amazing speakers. I'm, I'm, I'm not an amazing speaker. I feel I'm, and this is not false humility. I feel the least among my pastor friends, my guys that are going out, but I believe I have a word from the Lord. I've been hearing many words from the Lord since we got here. And so I'm like, you know, Lord, I just don't feel uh, like I'm in the same uh, group as these guys. But I believe the Lord spoke a word to me. He's been speaking this for almost two years now. This is the first time I've pulled all the thoughts together, pulled it all together. I used to tell people all the time, you know, um, before there was the one association, there was LCM for me. And people would say, hey, man, you ought to come to my church. I was like, what's special about your church? How far is your church from your house? Oh, it's just down the road. So you know how far my church was from my house? It was four hours. I had to relocate my house because of what I found in a church. How is it that you, you live two minutes? From, is your church that special that you found it two minutes from your house? Amen. I remember sitting in the living room saying, baby, we found it. It's four hours away. That's a long Sunday. We had a decision to make. I knew what we found was so special. That it was worth relocating. And I, to this day, I still think it's that special. And now it's become an association. And it's growing. Okay, so we're gonna lay a foundation that others are gonna build on. Eric is laying a foundation others are built on. Other churches are building on a foundation that he is laying. And it doesn't look like the other foundations. Listen, let me be honest with you. There's churches down the road, if you looked at their their uh, statement of faith, their doctrines were 99% the same. But Paul said, and we're going to go there. Why don't we just go there real quick? And this is going to tie it in. Go to um, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14. Paul said, I preach everywhere my doctrine, but I also display my way of life. You see, our doctrines are all the same, but I'm here to declare our way of life looks nothing like their way of life. Our doctrines are the same. We all believe in being spirit filled. We all have the 99 points of faith, whatever it is. But our lifestyles are 100% different. When I went to life changing ministries, uh, I didn't have to read their statement of faith. I didn't have to read all those things. I saw a lifestyle that was so radically different. I said, this is it. If this isn't it, it's not on the earth. It's not only. I believe God's doing this in other pockets and other areas, but it's not the vast majority. I've been through countries. I've been through states and I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it until I went to life changing ministries and recognized it immediately there's something different here it's got a different i found a church with a different foundation that's what it was to us it's built on something different and that's why the building that's being built looks different and people come you know you know what you want to know if you're building on the right foundation when a new member comes here what you ought to hear is there's something different about what's going on here. See, they're not quite sure what it is, but they know there's something different. It's because we're building on a different foundation. First Corinthians chapter four, I got to get there. Hold on. I'll let you know, Justin Johnson. All right. Here we go. Justin Johnson. I'm there. Where did I say? First Corinthians chapter four. So 14 is not going to help me. First Corinthians chapter four. He's talking to the Corinthian church. He laid a foundation and men are building on it. And it's Paul's responsibility to keep the building progress in check. Why? Because he's the architect architect lays the foundation, but he also oversees what men are building on his foundation. And he says, look, uh, I'm not saying this to shame you, but to warn you. I'm in verse 14. What's the warning? The master architect is telling this church. What's he warning them about? Listen to this warning. Even though you have 10,000 instructors, guardians, overseers, whatever you want to call them, preachers in Christ, you don't have many fathers. He says you have 10,000 instructors. But you're lacking in fathers. Watch this. This is the key. This is what's different about one association churches. He said, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father. He said in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me for this reason. What reason? Listen to this. So the church of Corinth is getting off base. And he says, I'm sending Timothy to you for this reason. This is a warning to you. I have to send someone to fix something. I laid a foundation and the building isn't coming up right. I'm sending Timothy to you for this reason. Because he's faithful in the Lord and he will remind you my way of life. He's not, he's not concerned about their doctrine. He's concerned about their way of life. He says, you got all these preachers, but you don't have nobody pastoring. You don't have no discipleship going on and it's showing up in your meetings. It's showing up. It doesn't matter that they're the, probably the biggest church being spoken to. They're on the verge of mega church here. And he said, they got I mean, They got thousands of men who are capable of teaching, but they're not capable of fathering. They're able to stand behind a pulpit and preach, but they won't go in your home. They want to fix a marriage from behind the pulpit, but they won't sit down with you and your wife and say, let's fix this according to the word of God. I watched Eric drive across state lines to meet with people. Their marriage needed help. He could have said, well, you know, go watch this message. You can't fix a marriage behind the pulpit. You can't discipleship. You can teach. I'm not doing away with church service. It is a part, but service isn't the foundation. It's built on discipleship. Discipleship has to be the most important thing in the church. And Paul is saying, you forgot my way of life. I showed it to you. I was there as a father saying, hey, spend the whole day with me. I go to these churches that call themselves churches in Indonesia. And they say, oh, yeah, we got a discipleship program. They showed it to me. I said, okay, let me see your disciples. "Uh, uh, What you mean? (laughs) I see your program. I want to see what it's produced. So I go there and they said, Oh, um, I was like, well, let, let me meet with your elders. Uh, well, we have a problem. We, we don't have enough men that meet the qualifications for an elder. How long you been in existence 50 years and you, you don't have enough men that meet the qualification as an elder. What's going on here? It's not a new church. They just laid out. It's a 50 years and there's not enough men in the congregation to have elders. Now, look, when Paul was laying a foundation and laid a new church, he didn't have elders either. Why? Because he laid a new foundation. They had to raise up their own elders. They had to raise up their own strong men. So if you're in a church right now and you don't have elders, it's okay. You're laying a new foundation. You're going to have to raise them up. But in 50 years, if you still don't have them, we'll have to write a letter saying, look, this is not to shame you. So it's okay. You're raising them up. I'm in mean, Indonesia. They didn't have them ready for me either. We got to raise them up. Yeah. I got there. I told Eric, I've met a man. I think he's my ministry partner, but I got to raise him up because we got to lay a new foundation. I love what's going on at King's harvest. He show, he's Justin Johnson saying, you see these men, I'm raising them up. Yes. Amen new life ministry. Same thing, you're raising them up. Zeke, where you at? Hey, we're raising them up. Why do you have to raise them up? Because it's a new foundation. Look, if we just showed up to other foundation, they may have had a few men you could use. When you go in a new nation and there's no foundation, you gotta raise everything up. (laughs) Paul and Barnabas, it was just them two. They raised everything up. When you go to Turkey, look, don't look for anything. Just lay new stuff, new foundation. Lay new foundation. I'll save you an entire year of ministry. Okay? (laughs) Mike, you don't have to work with the other churches, brother. You're laying something new. Where you at, Mike? New foundation. And you've been shown what it looks like. Why? Because we have a master builder who has shown us through his life how to do it. See, Paul wasn't shy and say, well, you know, uh, he said, I'm your father. Uh, Paul, Paul's not being shy. You know why? Because Paul believed in what he was laying down. He said, look, I'm your father. I birthed you and I'm having to send my son, Timothy, to you to remind you my way of life that you should be imitating and living how we, how Timothy's been with me so much. He knows my way of life. How does discipleship happen? You begin to imitate a way of life, not imitate just a message being preached, but a way of life. The one association is different because our way of life is completely different. That's why they call us cults and stuff. They're like, you what? You live where next to your pastor? And it, that's crazy. You got a pastor on one side and a pastor. Y'all some strange people. <laughs> that kind of stuff only goes on in Waco. Yeah. <laughs> but he said Jesus went up on a mountainside and he said he called some to be with him. Yeah. He st- What did Jesus start with? Discipleship. Yeah. He called those men that he wanted to be with him to what? Be with him. What's that mean? Six o'clock in the morning, they were with him. Uh, if we're going to translate that to LCM time at three o'clock in the morning, they were with him. (laughs) I mean, think about it. How many hours a week do you actually have a church service? Maybe three hours, but some churches are getting about 60 hours of discipleship in in a week. Because so much is going on in the homes, in the lives, of each other, it's called discipleship. Amen. I love. Look, I'm glad we still have services because I love to come to them. But discipleship doesn't happen at the church service. You don't disciple because you teach. Now we teach and say it's time to go practice. How you practice? We well, come to my house. One of the questions we begin to ask disciples. So we're we're meeting. You know, some Indonesians that are Christians and I don't want to steal anyone away. So we would ask them, who's your pastor? And they would tell us who our pastor is. And we say, are you being discipled?" Oh, yeah, I'm being discipled." When's the last time you sat with that pastor and shared with that pastor what you believe God has called you to do? And they said, what do you mean? I have never sat down with my pastor and, and shared with him what I feel God called me to do. I said, well, brother, you don't have a pastor. You have a preacher, but you don't have a pastor. You don't have someone shepherding you. You have someone preaching at you. And look, the church has mastered this. It can get three services out in 45 minutes. Now, I think it's probably what they're doing. (laughs) 15 minutes. In fact, if you drive slow enough through the parking lot, it's a drive-through now. You never have to leave your car. You just go right on through. At the end, you get your communion and you're gone. That's how they're trying to hurt them in, hurt them out. Why? Because the service is the foundation they're building the church on. And I'm here to tell you, it's discipleship. A service is when the disciples come together. Amen. Yeah, we're having services here, but we're all being discipled. This is where the disciples have come together. You don't come together to get discipled. We come together because we are discipled. Amen. He said, he will remind you my way. Well, remind, that means they forgot. He says, I'm warning you. You forgot how I lived when I was with you. I was with you all the time. I was with you in the morning. I spent, you know, I, I love it. Pastors, just like what we're doing, we're just imitating what we learned at LCM. And now we have churches. Look, it's worth being imitated. Buddy, Buddy read it. It goes, uh, Hebrews 13, 7. Know those elders among you and imitate them. What we learned from Eric and the group there, it's worth imitating in all the churches. I'm going to share with you why. Because right now, Life Changing Ministries has already planted two foreign pastors. International pastors, excuse me. And it's got an entire church of young bulls ready to go. Why? Because it's been discipling a lot longer. It's been discipling, 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 and discipling. And now you've got sons who are becoming men. Who are saying, I'm ready to get mine. Some of you are at a stage where you having to raise up your own right now. Eric, did you raise you had to raise up your own. You had to call Matthew. You had to raise it up from nothing. And so it didn't look like a whole lot of growth the first 10 years. Why? Because you had to raise up your own. But once you raise up your own and you begin to raise up more, where you at, Abenbola? Abenbola is 2 years into discipleship. Nick, where are you at? How how many years? Six years now, Nick? Five? Six. When Nick came, Nick was like a tick on Eric. Now, I'm being honest, that's how discipleship works. You attach yourself, right? And the the life is where? In the blood. So... (laughs) (laughs) Amen, brother. That's right. I love you, Nick. <laughs> and now Nick is an amazing disciple. His life's worth imitating. But Abimbola now, two years into it, has accomplished what took a little longer for Nick. And, and Abimbola hasn't spent as much time with Eric. Why? Because there's Nick. You see how young men begin to raise up uh, strong young men? See, when when you're just single pastor, you're having to raise them all up by yourself. And it's a lot of effort for a little bit of product. But what happens is it's exponential. Now, LCM, they're coming in, and six months later, they're already growing beers. These men are growing up fast. (laughs) This is how the nations are won. This is how the church is going to get its inheritance back. Do you understand it's through discipleship? How you win the nations? You raise up sons that are discipled. And Paul is saying, look, I planted this church and you're on the threat of losing it. Because you forgot my way of life. And I could have stayed home and listen to all of Eric's messages in Louisiana. But it was a way of life that we saw was different. And every church in the one association is trying to figure out how how do we imitate this in our church? And if you're not, in in 10 years, you still won't have elders. It's worth imitating. Paul said, look, my life is worth imitating because he's laying a foundation. You, you have to trust and believe that what the one association is laying out is the correct foundation. And every church should be imitating it because it won't be long. The arising church is gonna have so many young bulls. They're gonna be planting churches everywhere. And you don't have to, you don't have to send them out of the nations. We have a whole lot of states here that need churches. But they're going to come in fast and furious because you're going to have this core group of mature men. That's why you can't send them all out. That's why JJ. Uh, Amen. That's why you got men like Curtis. Yeah. That's why you got men. Let's see who, are, who else. Uh, my LCMM brothers here today. I can't really see because these lights are blinding me. David. Amen. That's your calling, brother. You don't have to feel like something uh, you know, because your name's not in the hat to go to another country. Look, if we all go, who's going to raise up the next generation? You're going to bring it and put it all back in Eric's hands again? Preach, That's us. Preach,
1: preach. Preach it.
0: They're my brothers. I told you I didn't feel qualified to preach this message. It's okay because I do live 10,000 miles away. And I am protected while I got all my brothers here, so... I don't feel like anybody's going to jump me. No, what I'm saying this morning, I want you guys to hear. We keep saying, oh yeah, we have something special about the one association. I just want to reveal what I saw. And guess what? I live in a Muslim nation and I'm here to say the the world better get ready because we're coming. The church has thrown everything it's had at the Islamic world and it has produced nothing. Google it. There's been no major movement in Islam. Because we've been fighting with the wrong foundation. But God is doing something. Yeah, he's having to raise us up first to send us out. And all we're going to do is replicate. And I go back and I think, man, this is so simple. This is what Paul did. Yeah. Jesus started out with discipleship. He disciples them, you know, however many years you want to find in the scriptures. It's approximately three. He works three years with these guys. And he says, wait. Because an anointing's coming that's going to help you accomplish what you're doing because a discipleship's got to be paired with the Spirit. And then you have these disciples that are Spirit-filled and they live out their lives and some of them begin to write. And we have the completion and the canonization of the Word of God. So we have discipleship, the Spirit of God, the Word of God. Then you have this nasty beast, the Catholic Church that rises up and tries to remove the Word of God, which eventually removes the Spirit which removes discipleship and the church is laid desolate. Our inheritance was laid desolate because of the Catholic church It's dead. It's gone out there about 400 years ago. Actually, I'm going to say six, seven hundred because I want to get Wycliffe and them. You know, the reformation started before Martin Luther. I'm not against Martin Luther. I just think he got all the credit for what other men did. They began to say, look at the word of God and look at the foundation. There's a problem here. What we see, the church and the word, it doesn't line up. We have to go back to the word of God. And the beast killed them over and over and said, don't let this out. It will expose us. But men said, though it cost me my blood, we will restore the word of God and the word of God got restored and about A little over 200 years ago, there was an outpouring of God's Spirit. So I'm seeing a pattern. Jesus started with discipleship, started with discipleship. Then there was uh, the Spirit filling and then the canonization of the Word. Desolation, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So now we have the Word being restored. We have the Spirit being restored. You guys are good students. What's the last thing to be restored? The restoring of an apostolic age, whatever you want to call it. It's not so we can have apostles. It's so we can have disciples. Men want to ride around and say, I'm an apostle. Show me your disciples. I don't want to know. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. Where's your disciples? They would tell Jesus, "Uh, your disciples aren't doing this. Well, how'd they know they were Jesus's disciples? They didn't say, Hey, those that believe in you, those that have called on your name, those that have asked you into their heart. Right. How did they identify these men? They're your disciples, they with you all the time. Every time we see you, Jesus, you got this group with you. Y'all kind of look like a cult. <laughs> y'all live where y'all all live together. Seriously. That's kind of strange. How many people you got living in your house? You need a house that big? Where you at, Brother Mark? Yeah. Because we're going to fill it with disciples. Discipleship is about giving birth and raising up sons in the kingdom, which Islam knows nothing about. It knows nothing. It's, It's a son that doesn't know the father. It was kicked out. And God is going to restore his church through this sonship. The raising up of men. What was last year's theme?
1: Last year was fighting for your brother's inheritance. The year before that is our sons are our monuments.
0: Amen. What's, what's written on the back of some of the shirts that I see one association about? Uh, Masculine holiness. Yes. Mascul- you know what? It's about raising sons.
1: Yeah.
0: It's about raising sons. That's discipleship. That doesn't happen just through church services. That happens through fathers. And the father has to be in the home. He has to be involved. Raising up sons is how we will receive our inheritance. The nations are our inheritance. The first church was cashing in on its inheritance. And then it was laid desolate. But there's a restoring of it. You're part of that restoration. Look, I, I, I can't overemphasize how special what we have in the one association is. <laughs> there is no shame in saying what we have is different. And they say, well, what is it? You just tell them, it's our way of life that is different. Yes. You know, doctrinally, we're 99% something the same. But the way we live is so drastically different. We look foreign to you. And Paul said this Corinthian church, it was slipping away. It was slipping away. Go back and do your first works. What church do you think he said that to? Go back and do the discipleship that you were doing in the beginning because you know what? You're going to lose this whole thing. Jesus started with discipleship. The full restoration of the church is the restoring of discipleship in the church. I'm almost done. It's about replicating a way of life, (laughs) replicating a way of life. It's about master builders realizing we got to lay a new foundation. When you go into a new area. It didn't have to be a foreign country, just a new area. Denton. Oh, that's pretty foreign.
1: Yeah.
0: It's tough ground. It I told Mike, look, brother, you got, you got It's tough. I'd rather be in Indonesia with Muslims than.
1: The Muslims know they're not Christians. The people in
0: Denton don't. Because you, because they're gonna say, look, we believe 99% of what you believe, Mike. What makes you different? Hey, come to my house. Spend some time with me. I'll show you what makes us different. Because on paper, we look all the same. But in life, we're completely different. We look completely different. In fact, when they look at it, it's just completely foreign to them. I want to say that every man in this room... Has a role to play in discipleship. There are some that, will, that have been discipled and they're ready to go. The reason why they're ready to go is because what they're about to go do, they're doing it now. See, I, I learned something. I'm not doing anything different and neither is Buddy doing anything different than what we did at Life Changing Ministries. So if you're not doing anything at Life Changing Ministries, if we put you in another country, you're not going to do anything either. That's right. If you're undisciplined at now, relocating, you're still going to be undisciplined. If you can't get your prayer life right here, why do, why do you think going to another country is just all of a sudden going to fix your prayer life, going to fix what you do? Oh, well, I won't have a full-time job at that time. No, yeah, but you're planted at the job. You're laying a foundation there? Where's your disciples coming out of your workplace? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. There's no different than where I'm at now. It's a full-time job. If I wasn't doing it, if I wasn't bringing people to life-changing ministries when I was there, why would they send me out to somewhere else? And he's saying, there's a, there's a point where he says, look, you ought be teachers by now. Some of you ought to be teachers by now. He says, but I'm having to feed you milk. The goal is not to be sent out somewhere. It's to be matured and get in the process of discipleship where you're maturing new men that are coming in. But he's not doing anything different than what he was doing when he was at Life Changing Ministries. Every time I talked to Buddy, he was in somebody's house fellowshipping, encouraging them. He's like, oh, I was in their house. We, me and Kim were just fellowshipping and encouraging and he was being a big brother, raising up disciples. Buddy has a life worth imitating. See, what I'm asking you now, are you living a life that's worth imitating? At some point we grow up. We get off the milk. He says, you're in need of milk. Last night, buddy said it funny. He said, man, you're in need of a tit. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, we men. You don't need a tit. what Paul is saying. You should be men now. How long you been in the faith? Wouldn't it look funny if you was start, you, you were 18 years old and you had to go nurse in the back corner? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I'm not saying that sometimes you need to go sit with your pastors and work through something. I'm just talking about you've been a baby for a long time. Raising babies. See, I, I knew the pastor would appreciate some of this Man, See, I can preach this and run. I'm going to be back in Indonesia. You have to come find me there because I want to encourage everyone in here because some of you are saying, you know, well, what's my calling of, am I called to here? Am I called to there? Am I, what's my calling? Your calling is to grow up. So when a new believer comes in, he's surrounded by big brothers. They learn faster, they become stronger, and they will outrun all of us. That's, that's the goal, because you know what? It's to gain ground, and we want them to run further and faster and farther. We want them to run the race, because we have an inheritance out there. And it's waiting on all of us. And look, it's not, you have an inheritance here. There's young men out there. That have been recycled through the churches. No discipleship. No discipleship. And they don't even know why they should even come here. But when they come here. It's like. This is what I need. That's what Nick saw. Nick, Nick came and he's like. You know what? This goes against everything my church preaches. I know because I came out of the same denomination he did. But he saw discipleship. And he said. I'm willing to give it all. And now these guys are ready to go. They're mature enough to drink out of a cup babies can't drink out of. It's a cup of suffering and being poured out. Paul said, look, we're being delivered over to death every day so you can have life. That's what cups waiting for you. But it's an honor to drink from it because your death is going to produce life. They're young men and they're ready to go to work. And some, and some of us have been sitting in the, these churches a lot longer and we're not ready. I want to comp- uh, I really want to encourage the churches and you're raising up your own. That's normal. You've laying a new foundation.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. It works that way. Raise them up. That gets established. Then you're going to see the multiplication factor happen. Yeah. You're going to have young men walking in off the streets go from drugs one week and then six months later, they are equipped, they are strong, they're functioning in ministry. And within a sh- few short years, they're like, I gotta, go get, is, I, gotta go, I gotta go out and conquer land. There's gonna be many churches planted in the U.S. from this association. There's a few that we will acquire, but the vast majority we will plant by laying a new foundation. We lay a new foundation. Why? Because we're building on something that God is revealing to us. And the church is rejecting it. It says, yeah, well, we have a discipleship program. Yeah, well, let me see your disciples. Let me see them. What is your program? Because every church I went to that was decimated, desolate, said, oh, we have a discipleship program. I said, well, no, the program is discipleship. I don't want to see your discipleship program. Your foundation is discipleship. Jesus started it with discipleship. So it's 940. I'm going to close. I love what I see in the one in church. Don't be ashamed to say what you have is unique. It is. It's not the only on the earth, but it's real rare right now because we're gaining ground. It started first at Jerusalem, and then it spread throughout the world. This is in infancy. And laying foundation, laying foundation. Paul had to make many trips. There's tremendous, there's for master architects that are laying something new. uh, When we go, now that we're going into foreign countries, I've watched Eric, and I'm just imitating what I learned. You will imitate what you learned. Because these lives are worth imitating. So I wanna just encourage all of you it's time to grow up and be men so we can bring this inheritance in. Isn't Jesus worth us claiming our inheritance?